Well, Merry Christmas, First of Anne. Merry Christmas to members. Merry Christmas to guests. Merry Christmas to all who are uh, watching us uh, around the city and even around the world. We've uh, taken uh, measures of how far our, our message goes from here on Sundays, and uh, we have a global audience. So we're, uh, we're grateful for all who've joined us tonight. Pray this service is edifying to you and all that it contains. I want to, what I want to do tonight is give you a gift, uh, a few gifts, and uh, it's by way of the best things I know. These are going to be my gifts to you. I do a little weekly email, it comes out every Monday, it's called a line out for a walk. And about a month ago, Thanksgiving time was upon us, and I was out for a run one morning, and uh, something came to mind, and I thought, you know, that is one of the best things I know. If I had to make a list of the best things I know, that would be on it. And that idea grew and grew, and uh, by the time I came back from the run, I had about six or seven things I had to remember and run inside and write them all down so I didn't forget them. And uh, I put that out in that uh, line out for a walk uh, email. Maybe some of you uh, read that. And whether a list like that comes to you impromptu, like it did for me, or uh, I wish I always thought of great things when I run. Sometimes I'm think, you know, thinking of, of, uh, uh, of, of not the best things, things I'm upset about or angry about. you know. But that particular day was good. And whether a list like that comes to you impromptu or whether that list uh, comes to you as an intentional exercise where you sit down and you say, I'm, I'm going to write out the best things I think I know, uh, occasionally... It's good for us to do that, to review what are the best things that I know, uh, whether that's um, uh, spiritual things or, or practical uh, things, not that the spiritual things aren't uh, practical or impractical, but whatever uh, form that takes, it's, it's spiritually healthy, it's emotionally healthy, it's mentally healthy to do that. What would go on your list if you were making a list like that? So thinking further on mine that I gave you a month ago by way of email, I want to take a few items from that list, and I just want to give them to you tonight as a kind of a Christmas present. Um, now, I, I'm actually re-gifting because these things don't originate with me. Uh, they originate with our Savior. And so instead of taking you to Luke 2 or um, anticipated uh, prophecies of, of Jesus, which we've been doing in this service as we've been singing and, and listening to the scriptures read, uh, I, I want to give you a, a few gifts uh, to us from God. And, and I do this because I think in the year that has been, uh, this particular Christmas Eve, the need of the hour is encouragement in our God. That's what we need. And so I hope you take these things as encouragers. They are intended to be that. So what's on the list of the best things I know? And this was not an exhaustive list by any stretch when I made it back in November, but I started it with this. The thing that came to me while I was out running is that I, and, and every time I say I, you can think of, of yourself as well mutually, I am loved with a love incorruptible that will not let me go. This is the love of God. It is a love incorruptible, and it will not let me go. I put that first uh, on my list, uh, and I hope it's wind in your sails when you think about that, the love of God for you in Christ. 
I hope it's ground, solid ground under your feet. I, I need that particular truth to just seal uh, my heart and mind, my soul, my spirit, my, my whole being. I, I need it this Christmas. I need it looking into a, a, the next year, the new year, and, and I'm sure the challenges that it will hold. I am loved with a love incorruptible that will not let me go. You know, when you think about that, the love of God, it's not just that we're loved. I mean, that would be enough and great in and of itself. It's that the love of God is incorruptible. It can't be spoiled. It doesn't have a, a, a shelf life, nor is he fickle. He won't take his love from us when he gives it to us. It's a love that raises the dead. If you want a scripture for it, it's uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. I love the NIV rendering of that. The love the Father has lavished upon us. That we would be called children of God. And so we are. I am loved with a love incorruptible. It will not let me go. That's, that's one of the best things uh, I know. Another of the best things that I know, as I made a list a month ago, is this. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, he being God. That's actually a direct quote. That's a line taken right out of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Faithful. I draw a lot of comfort and strength from that. And it's not because I somehow epitomize faithlessness. It would be insincere for me to try to act uh, like I do. I love the Lord. I, I want a strong faith. I want solid faithfulness uh, in my life and in my church. But I have times and ways of faithlessness. I have days when I, I'm not doing well. I have runs, as I've mentioned, where what's preoccupying my mind is, is what's uh, frustrating me in the moment. Um, we all do. Every one of us in here are broken people in a variety of ways. Some of that family is family brokenness. Some of that is vocational brokenness. Uh, some of that is just brokenness in our, in our own being and, and living with ourselves there's all kinds of uh, brokenness that we all inhabit. So it's not just if we are faithless, it's really when we are faithless. Because eventually we will be. He remains faithful. That's one of the best things I know. I hope you receive it from the Lord tonight because it's his word, regifted by me, a gift from God that keeps giving. Another among the best things I know it goes with this, and it's this. I can do nothing, not one single thing, to reduce the joy God experiences in his own being and presence. That's one of the best things I know. I can do nothing, not one single thing, to diminish to reduce the joy God experiences in his own being and his presence. In other words, my sin never gives him a bad day. 
Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying, well, if that's the case, then let's just sin so that grace increases. No. We don't go seeking from sin. We don't locate in our sin what we should find in our Savior. And if, if you hear, if, if you're new to a church and you, you came into this room tonight or you're, you're tuning in and you're, you're unfamiliar with Christian terminology, by sin we mean the human propensity to mess things up. By sin we mean the crack in everything. By sin we mean the, not just the evil that we do but the, the good that we don't do. Sin is the vandalism of all that God has made good and his rule over everything. Sin is the challenge to his rule. And yet, though I am sinful, I can do nothing, not one single thing to reduce the joy God experiences in his own being and his presence. Where do I get that in scripture? I get it from the 16th Psalm. The final verse in Psalm 16 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You know what that verse is teaching? My sin doesn't damage God. I mean, I can lessen my experience of his goodness by choosing to sin, but he remains full of joy. That fullness never leaves his presence. I can do nothing, not one single thing, to reduce the joy God experiences in his own being and presence. That's one of the best things I know. Another among the best things I know. No one can do anything to me that cancels what God has promised to be for me in Christ Jesus. No one can do anything to me that cancels what God has promised to be for me in Christ Jesus. No accusation. No attack. The prophet Isaiah said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, Isaiah 57. A lot of hard things can happen to us. But no one can do anything to me or to you, to us in Christ that cancels what God has promised to be for us in Christ Jesus. We can get canceled. (laughs) Cancel culture is a thing. You've probably heard about cancel culture. If you say the wrong thing, if you even thought to think the wrong thing, if you fall outside of the the boundaries of orthodoxy of this group and that group and and this tribe and, and that one, you're canceled. We know what that is. But you know, uh, cancel culture, when you think about it, how it works, it's kind of like a T-Rex, like Tyrannosaurus Rex. You know, T-Rex, you you don't want to find yourself in its heavyweight jaws, but then it has these silly bantamweight arms, (laughs) by which I mean, by analogy, the reach of cancel culture is actually quite limited when God is for you in Christ Jesus. Anybody cancel you this year? (laughs) It can happen. Who God is for us in Christ Jesus is everything. And he is for you and he is for me. And I can't tell you how good that is to know. No one can do anything that cancels what God has promised to be for me in Christ Jesus. That's a Christmas gift. Another among the best things I know. What God thinks about me matters most. What God thinks about me 
is what matters most. Now, this one we have to cultivate because most of us, if we're honest, we virtually live imprisoned by others' opinions and assessments of us, and particularly if, if others are not thinking highly of us or thinking poorly of us, we, or, or we always feel like we have this, some of us have this, this just dogged sense of always coming up short, we're always comparing ourselves, measuring ourselves with others. And so some can turn what God thinks about me matters most, some can turn that into this kind of relational recklessness where I don't care what people think, but that's not what, uh, what God matters, what God thinks about me matters most. That's not what we're, we're saying. It, it, it's not, that shouldn't make us reckless saying what God matters, what, what God thinks of me matters most. That shouldn't make us reckless. What it should make us do is rest. Rest in his goodness to you. Rest in the fact that you don't have to prove your worth to God. Though, though you feel like you have to prove it to people all the time in, in various ways, you don't have to prove your worth to God. He gives you worth. You don't have to try to be something you're not with him. He gives us the gift of total acceptance with him due to the fact that he, Jesus, loved us and gave himself for us. That's Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says this in full. This is the gospel. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, I want to point something out to you in that verse. The past tense. Loved me. Jesus loves me now, but it's phrased here in Galatians 2.20 as loved me and gave himself for me. Why? His love is not a feeling that he has to generate and sustain toward us. His love is a securing us by way of his own self-giving. What happened 2,000 years ago is why Jesus loves us now, and it's why what God thinks of us is what matters the most. I had other lines in that email a month ago. Best things I know, I had a line about my grandson. I had a line about my dog. I had a line about adoption and the beauty of that. But I'll conclude here with just one more of the best things that I know. And it's this. Jesus gets better with every birthday. <clears throat> I was listening to a couple comedians recently do a bit. It was Jeff Foxworthy and Larry the Cable Guy. He's the get her done guy. Remember him? And they were just talking together. And Jeff asked Larry, when's your birthday? And Larry said, Feb you know, February, and it's a little country accent, February 17th. And Jeff said, no, I mean, what year? And Larry replied, well, I'd be every year. You know, I love that. I thought that was pretty good. Jesus is better with every March 14th every year. I'm almost 52. Uh, Larry the Cable Guy is almost 58. I looked it up. But I can say Jesus means more to me 
now than ever. See, I don't have youth on my side anymore. I'm not an old man. I'm not a young man. I'm in that middle place. I'm making the round of the ninth hole to the tenth hole. (laughs) And uh, the rest of the course is ahead. But I'm on the back nine. And I've been weathered by some of life's storms, as, uh, as many of you have too. But, but you know what you get in that? And it's the beautiful part of it, is you get more of Jesus than you had before. I mean, it doesn't happen automatically. You have to, you have to take what he offers. But man, he shows up in pain. He shows up in pain. The longer you live, the more tempting it is to turn cynical. Uh, the more tempting it is to take up residence in your disappointments. At least it is for me. I have to fight it. Actually, comedians are helpful. They're one of my my weapons for for fighting. Just get me to laughing about something. It's helpful. But what helps the most is my Christology, which is just a fancy word for saying a Christ-centered faith. I cannot get enough of Jesus Christ the God-man. The longer I live with every succeeding birthday, the better I want to get to know him. Jesus is better with every birthday. Let me give you his words to conclude. He said, all things, all things, he said, and he meant everything in the universe, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. That's a really exclusive thing to say. But then he says right after that, next breath, Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It really is the gift that keeps on giving. Sorry for the cliche at the end, but it's true. Merry Christmas. Let's pray together. Lord, you have given us these things, not just to know, but to live in. And in living in them, to discover that you have accomplished for us, not just something in the past that has implications for our future, but something that is the foundation of every day we live and move and have our being and breath in this world. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for giving us gifts. All the gifts come together in the person of your son who loved us and gave himself for us. Thank you for Christmas, letting us see another Christmas. You let us see another Christmas this year. You didn't have to. Lord, we take it for granted. It's easy to. Even with a year in which uh, death with a capital D has been very prominent. Lord, you've let us see another Christmas. And I pray that with, uh, if we all get to see next Christmas, that our walk with you, you are sweeter to us. Uh, your name is more uh, exciting to us. 
And that this is not something we have to generate up on our own. We have to gen it up on our own. Lord, it's, it's just a response to you. Because we come to grasp a vision of how good you are and how good you are to us. Not just good as uh, something to be admired, but good to us in real time. So we thank you for this Christmas. We thank you for the first Christmas and all the Christmases in between. For you, Lord, have continued to bring people to yourself, and you will do so this very night. And we thank you for your patience and your goodness to the world, and that you are extending your grace and mercy to people the world over. For you want heaven to be full. And we thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen.